Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. So our heart today, John chapter 12, we'll get right into the word of the Lord. John chapter 12, verse 23. John chapter 12, verse 23. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die. Everybody say die. It abideth alone. Everybody say alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He goes on to speak to those that are listening. He says, he that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. That kind of goes along with a lot of our Wednesday night lessons here. Fans are followers. We want to be followers. Let him follow me, the Lord says. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. I want to preach to you. I I woke up this morning. The Lord just dropped this thought in my head. I got up, got dressed, and began to prepare for this sermon today. I want to speak to you on the subject, the shell of a man. The shell of a man. You may be seated today. God bless you. I always love it when I'm reading the scriptures and the Lord begins to use an analogy, including farming. Uh, I I like that because I I can relate to that. I, as you well know, kind of grew up helping out on my grandparents' farm. I think, you know, even though that is long in my past and uh, it's been decades since I sat on a tractor and plowed a field, planted some seeds in the ground or went out in a combine and harvested whatever we had planted in the field or baled hay, all the things that go along with farmers' life. Uh, I, I think about where would we be without the farmers of the world? You know, I look around and uh, I see, especially in this area, so many acres that are planted with corn and soybeans and other other things that we need. And I think to myself about these men and women, these families that don't just feed our nation, but they feed the world. When you leave here today, you're either going to head home or you might head out to a local restaurant. You're going to sit down at a table and Maybe your wife has put a roast in the crock pot, some carrots and potatoes and onions in there. Or you might go down and have something as simple as a hamburger down at the local restaurant. Maybe a little chow mein or some kind of oriental food at one of the Asian restaurants in town. We sometimes forget that it was a farmer that supplied those things that we get to enjoy so much that feed us 
day in and day out. That food that we enjoy is because of a farmer somewhere took the time to plant a seed in the ground, knowing that there would be one day down the road a harvest that would not only feed him and his family, but others as well. I don't know too many farmers, now I know some gardeners, but not too many farmers that, that just keep it all to themselves. They mostly farm to feed multitudes of people. Most of us never think about where that meal comes from, where it began. We only see that steak and potatoes and that salad that's sitting there in the bowl and in the plate right in front of us that we're getting ready to cut into and, and put a fork into and shove it into our mouth, and we're going to enjoy that flavor of that food. We never think that it was, it was a time in, in, in somewhere before you're sitting down there where somebody planted a seed somewhere, whether it be that slice of tomato that's on your hamburger or those delicious green beans that sit next to a pile of mashed potatoes. We take one glance at them to make sure that our fork is headed in the right direction as we harpoon our food and shove it into our mouth. That's about all we think about is the end result. There's not a thing wrong with that either. That's how God designed this world to operate. That green bean is serving its purpose in its own way. It's fulfilling its lifelong dream to wind up on your plate and feed your family. That tomato is fulfilling its vegetable destiny by laying there on top of the piles and piles of bacon as you put mayo on it and a little bit of lettuce and some toasted bread or however you like to make your BLTs, that tomato is fulfilling its destiny by, by being where it's at. That's the way God designed it. Now, I know that most of us understand the process of how it all works, but Jesus takes this illustration to a whole new level when he uses the analogy that he used to help us comprehend a spiritual principle. That's what word pictures are all about. That's what his analogies and his parables were all about. He took what was taking place that the people could relate to in the era in which they lived, and he allowed them to hear a story that they could apply a spiritual principle to trying to help them understand something deeper than what was just right in front of them. Now, in this particular story that I just read to you opening with our Scripture text, he just recently raised Lazarus from the dead. The Pharisees are still trying to do away with Jesus. The disciples are not fully comprehending what's just right around the corner uh, as far as the crucifixion is going to go. They're, they're still trying to figure out who's going to be the greatest amongst them. They're, they've really not comprehended the, the gravity of what's about ready to take place. And so Jesus tells them that the time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I'm sure they got kind of excited about that because I don't know what your definition of glory is, but, but my definition of glory has nothing to do with crucifixion. 
nothing to do with the cross, nothing to do with nails through hands and feet, nothing to do with the crown of thorns placed upon my head. When I think of somebody giving glory, if someone were to give me glory and honor, I'm thinking they're going to shower me with gifts. I'm looking forward to opening up a few gifts. I'm looking forward to people lifting me up on their shoulders and walking me and parading me down the street and say, Doug, Doug, Doug is great. Doug is great. And giving me praise and glory and honor. I'm not thinking about a cross and crucifixion. When I think of glory, I think of joy, not pain. I think of being praised, not ridiculed. Come on, you you got to be the same boat with me. Somebody said, we're going to celebrate you tomorrow night. And then they, they you walked into the house. What time? Oh, 7 o'clock. Just come on over to the house. We're going to have a bunch of people over there. You walk through the door, and they stand you in the middle, and they all take shots at you, and they beat you up. Is that your idea of glory and celebration? It's not mine. I'm going there expecting some cake and some ice cream and maybe a good meal and a few gifts and people telling stories about how awesome I am. I'm thinking of smiles, not faces that are wincing in pain, but that's only because I can only see the finished product from where I stand. I'm only seeing the end result. I'm sitting at the table. I'm eating the delicious food, not realizing that in order for me to eat this delicious food, something in the past had to die in order for me to have something that would help me live. I'm smelling that fresh bread as it's coming out of the oven causing my mouth to water, and I'm thinking about the butter and honey, and I'm not talking about margarine and all any of that other stuff. I'm talking about real live butter that comes from a real live cow. And don't pull it out of the refrigerator. It needs to set out. It won't go bad on you. Just let it set out so it's nice and soft where you can just slather it on. Ain't nothing worse than taking a hard piece of butter and trying to put it on a warm piece of bread and just tearing that bread all to shreds. Listen to me. Set the butter out, would you? Let it get soft. It'll slide right over the top of that warm bread. And then you got to let it melt just a little while before you put the honey on. Otherwise, the honey gets on top of the butter. I've got a whole... There's a whole plan here. Just just do it right or don't do it at all. That warm bread, oh, man, I can even, it doesn't have to even be baked in the house. We can go down to the store here and get a nice loaf of bread, throw it in the oven, warm it up, pull it apart, and just put the honey in the butter. Oh, it's, it's so good. It's so, so refreshing to smell that smell and think about all that butter and all that honey. I'm not thinking about the seed of wheat that had to be buried and die in order to bring forth a new and more abundant life. I'm not thinking about the wheat out in the field that's going down for the first time. I'm thinking about the end result. I only see what's right in front of me. 
But Jesus understood, and he was trying to get his disciples to understand, and he was trying to get us who live in this day and hour to understand that if we want to bear fruit, if we want to multiply, if we want a loaf of fresh hot bread, amen, if we want something to happen in the spiritual realm, if we want a harvest that can feed the multitudes, if we want a revival, Brother Jones, that's going to sweep across our town and affect your family and your children and your co-workers, then we must be willing to lay something in the ground. We must be willing to lay something down. There must be a part of us that is willing to die in order to be multiplied. We want to have a harvest that touches multitudes, then the shell of the man must die. It's got to break open. It's got to be removed. The outward part of the seed has a purpose. You grab a seed, and it's got a hard outer shell on it. How many like sunflower seeds? Man, I used to run. Okay, there's a bunch of us. A bunch of us that like sunflower seeds. My favorite is barbecue. Used to, when I was growing up, you just got salted sunflower seeds. Now you can get them tasting like dill pickles. You can get them tasting like barbecue. You can have salt and lime. Uh, you can have about any flavor you want. And I would always go in every single day, and I would go in and buy, they had two tubes for a dollar uh, at the Quick Trip in O'Fallon. I would go in there and get me two tubes of those barbecued sunflower seeds and, and a vanilla Coke, and I would drive around all day eating those sunflower seeds, spitting them out the windows, and, and drinking my, my soda. And at the end of the day when I got home, I had so much salt in my body that my clothes were stained white from sweat. My face was starting to swell up from all the water I was retaining. I was like, I got to back off of these. Those are so good. You don't eat the shell, though, do you? I, I mean, I hope you don't eat the shell. Oh, you're not supposed to eat the shell? No wonder I don't like them. Don't eat the shell. But it is, it's kind of fun to suck on that shell for a while. Get all the salt off. It's a little soft. And then I've just got to, before I broke this tooth off, I, I, I had a way of getting that shell just right in the, in the right spot. And I could crack it in half. Man, I could, I could eat, go through the sunflower seeds. The shell has to be removed in order for the seed to do its intended job. There's something on the inside. That outward part of that seed has a purpose of protecting the life that is on the inside or at least what is on the inside that has the ability to bring forth life. But its job is temporary. The shell's job must come to an end if there is to be a renewing and multiplying of life. Hear me today. This is real simple. This is not complicated. This is just a simple message today. Jesus needed his disciples to understand that. Why? Because our nature is one of hanging on to the shell. We figure if we can polish that shell real good, if we can keep it glossy and looking good, we can just hang on to our shell. 
because the shell protects what's on the inside of us. And when we get hurt and when we get wounded and somebody says something to us or we don't like something that somebody said, we get wounded and we start to polish up that shell. We just grab that shell and we say, you know what? I'm going to hang on to the shell because I don't want what is inside of me to get hurt. It's our nature to protect our feelings, our possessions, what's on the inside from ever having to experience pain. So my little grandchildren, they're growing up. They don't know too much about the world just yet. They've not had their heart broken yet. Easton's a good-looking kid. He agrees. Looks like his grandpa. I won't say which one because we're both here. He's got his, his Grandpa Charlie's dimples, not mine. I don't have any dimples. And right now he doesn't know really what a heart being broken feels like. But you know what? As much as I'd like for that to never happen, I know that if he continues to live in this world, that there's going to come a time where He's going to be hurt. Some little girl that's batting her eyes at him, and he's batting his eyes at her. They're passing notes, trying to stay out of trouble in the classroom. There might come a time when she says, you know what? I found somebody else. I really don't care for you anymore. And that's going to sting. It's going to hurt, man. You ever had your heart broken? They're not going to, they're not, they don't want any part of this. We all know what it feels like to, to hurt on the inside, don't we? We try to protect that. It's our nature. We try to protect that that's on the inside. And in doing so, we fall in love with the shell instead of what is inside of the shell. The temporal man, we protect the temporary while all along it is what is inside of a man that is going to live on forever somewhere. This old body of mine, I'm looking at it in the mirror every day saying, whoa, man, what's going on here? I'm getting the wrinkles. Uh, the skin's getting age spots on it. The hair's not as thick as, and lush as it used to be. Nowhere even close, as a matter of fact. I wish I could do something about that, but there's just not a whole lot that you can do about it. You just age and we get older and over one of these days should the Lord tarry I'm going to draw my last breath but what is on the inside of me is what is important today I want to lay this shell down but what is on the inside must move forward shell's got to be moved out of the way or else the seed will never live the seed will lay dormant. Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. He didn't exclude anybody that was there that day. He didn't say, oh, just the Jews, or oh, just these, or oh, just those. He just said, every one of you, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Peter got it. 
Jesus got through to Peter. Peter had an understanding. It's no coincidence, I don't think, that he put things in the order that he did, that we are to repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, and receive the infilling of the Holy Ghost. It's a death. It's a burial. It's a resurrection, not in reverse order. The resurrection doesn't come before the death. You have to die first. The old man, the shell, has to be softened and give way to the life that's trying to burst forth from within. You're not experiencing any fruit in your life. You might be in love with the shell. You might be giving too much time to the shell. You might be paying too much attention to the shell. You might be catering to the shell, to the fleshly side of your life. Are you living for him or are you living for yourself? Are you dying out to your flesh or are you trying to satisfy its every whim and desire? Because that is futile, my friend. It's never going to be satisfied. This old flesh will never be stopped craving the things of the flesh, no matter how much you give to it. But if you decide to lay the flesh down, if you decide to help it to die, if you decide to let the shell become softened, then God can create something from the inside of you that multiplies. Shell must be softened, must fall away. How? Well, in the natural, the seed goes into the ground, and then the rain falls, and the moisture from the rain goes down into the ground. The warmth of the, of the season, along with the moisture of the rain, softens that outer hardened hull, and something begins to take place, but only after the shell is softened. Well, that's great. That's really cool. Brother Rice, you're giving us a farming analogy, but how do I apply that to myself? Let me tell you what softened the shell of a man. The shell of a man is softened by the tears of repentance. You can't move forward. Your shell will block the blessings of God. Your flesh will stop what God is trying to do, not only for you, but within you. Your shell, the flesh, our humanity will stop and hinder what he's trying to do. It's only when we find a place of repentance and we begin to cry the tears that those tears can begin to uh, soften that outer shell of a man and we allow that man to be placed into the ground. Amen. We, we suffer the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Well, music come today. I simply would ask us, where are we today? In the planting season that is called your life. You are allotted a certain numbers of days. And in that certain number of days that the Lord gives you, that is your season 
And you must go through the process according to God's plan. Because you'll never experience the resurrection until first the shell is put into the ground and dies. Well, I want to hang on to this. You want to hang on to that more than heaven? I want to, I don't want to let this go. You you want to hang on to that instead of finding the favor of God in your life? Listen to me today. We must put him first and seek first his kingdom. Would you stand with me today? I simply would ask you to ask yourself, can God get past my surface? Can God get down inside of me and do the changes that he wants to do, or am I protecting myself from the spiritual surgery that God wants to do within me? Because I don't want to deal with the pain that it's going to bring. Jesus made this bold statement in Luke chapter 13 and 5. This is how serious it is. He says, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. He's looking at a bunch of seeds out there. Oh, you want ministry? Oh, you want anointing? Oh, you want to be able to lay your hands on the sick? They ask him, how come we can't do this stuff? We want the power of the resurrection. We don't want to deal with the dying part of things. And he said, listen, if you're going to live, you must first die. Except you repent, you're all going to perish. Then he speaks another parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years, three years I come seeking fruit off of this tree, and there's nothing to be found. Let's cut it down. Let's get rid of it. But he answered and said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also till I dig about it and dung it. If it bear fruit well, and if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. And I'm reading this scripture like God's not willing to give up on me yet just because I haven't borne any fruit yet. The Lord is patient. The Lord will try every avenue he can. He said, let me, let me, let me get around it. Maybe there's something. Maybe it's not the tree. I know it's not bearing any fruit yet, but the tree itself is there. Maybe it's not the tree. Maybe it's what is around the tree. Maybe it's what the tree is surrounded by. Sometimes the reason you don't bear fruit is because you've surrounded yourself with the wrong things. He says, so let me go in and dig it up and let me, let me fertilize that tree and let me see. And then if we've done everything that we can do to possibly make it bear fruit, and it still doesn't bear fruit, then we'll cut it down. 
Friend, you don't want to be that kind of tree. God expects us to bear fruit. God calls us to multiply. He calls his church to grow. He calls us as individuals to grow, and he causes us corporately to grow. God will give you time to bear fruit. It's called, your time is called life. Life. Don't waste your days protecting a shell when the shell is only keeping you from the harvest God wants your life to produce. Look at Acts chapter 2. <coughs> I've already read for you Acts chapter 238. Most of you can quote it. Repent, be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, you shall receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The death, the burial, the resurrection, it starts off with the death. Something has to die. There must be a sacrifice. Got to be a place to sacrifice. Something has to die. But look at the progression here. By the time we get to Acts chapter 2, verse 39, it tells us about what happens when we allow ourselves to go through that process. He says, for the promise is unto you. That's awesome. I'm going to get the Holy Ghost. That's incredible. That's great. But I'd kind of like for my children to go to heaven too. I'd, I'm kind of partial to my grandchildren that are out here. I kind of like Blaine and Torn. I kind of like these little kids that run around. I would really like to see you in heaven, Mike. Brother Hobson, I would... It ain't going to be the same if I get there and I'm looking around and there's a crystal lake. And I'm like, I bet oh, Hopkins is out there fishing in his boat trying to catch the biggest bass out there. And they said, no, he didn't make it. He ain't here. I'm, they say there's no tears in heaven. I will cry if I hear Brother Hopkins did not make it because he's a good friend. I want to multiply. Yes, I want the Holy Ghost. I'm willing to die. I'm willing to, willing to repent. I'm willing to be baptized. I'm, you know what? You got to die before you're buried. Don't bury me if I'm not dead yet, please. The Bible says if you'll do those things, here's how I'm going to cause that seed to multiply. For the promise is unto you, Brother Charlie. And to your children. And to your children's children. Now this is this is getting exciting now. You mean I can take my whole family? My whole family can go. Ain't nothing greater to me in this world than family vacations. We've already planned another one. First week of June. It's my it's my retirement vacation. It's my retirement vacation. It's my birthday vacation. It's just family vacation. We're going to have a blast. There's nothing greater than going on vacation, kicking back and relaxing with your family. So you can only imagine how incredible it's going to be to get to heaven and take your children and your grandchildren and say, what you guys want to do today? I want What's inside of me to be multiplied, don't you?
I don't want to be satisfied with what we have now. I know we can multiply. It was prophesied over a group of us ministers at a thing yesterday that I was a part of. And this, the guy that was leading it began to prophesy, and he said, your churches of you that are in here are going to double. I say amen to that. Is there anybody here that would stand in agreement with me? I'm going to take that and say yes and amen to that. Why? Because I'm selfish, arrogant, I want the biggest church in town. No, because it is God's command that where there is death of a seed, there can be multiplication. There is a harvest that is white and ready to be harvested. Who's going to help me harvest that field? Hallelujah, hallelujah. I know we've had a move of the Lord already. Would you just bow your head with me and close your eyes right now? Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.